Hi, this is Steve Adubato. Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. This situation, the COVID-19 crisis, if you will, the pandemic, is not stopping us from producing important programming about leadership, about communication, about frankly, dealing with these most difficult times for all of us. And don't get turned off or thrown off by the word leader and say, well, I'm not a leader. That's not me. Well, tell you what, you, I'm betting you're the leader of your house or there are other leaders in your home and you're dealing with a whole range of issues at home, decision-making, communication, management, anxiety, all those issues, keeping people positive and upbeat, but at the same time dealing with this reality. I don't know how much different that is from dealing in the workplace. Uh, in many ways, the family is a microcosm of the workplace. And in that spirit, uh, I want to introduce our executive producer of Lessons in Leadership, the co-host of this program, my colleague, Mary Gamba. How are you doing, Mary? I'm doing really great, Steve. I'm excited to be doing this Zoom interview in this format. Obviously, as you said, these are really challenging times, but it has caused us all to adapt, to reinvent, and to be strategically agile. So I'm looking forward to uh, having a great conversation today. You know what's interesting about this, and by the way, to Frank and Elvin and everyone who's behind the scenes making this happen, as well as our son, Nick, who's off camera, uh, if you do not have a 17-year-old who understands technology, you're in trouble. Um, we do. We're lucky that way. But in that spirit, I just want to make it clear that we could talk about leadership and here are the best practices and here are the five things you need to do. But on another level, all of us who are leaders of for-profits, not-for-profits, educational institutions, churches, government, there's an emotional side to this. There's a psychological side to this. It's personal for a lot of us, if not all of us. In that spirit, when it comes to these kinds of issues, you reach out for people who know better than you do, which is an important leadership trait. Know what you know, know what you don't know, and figure out who knows what you don't. And in that spirit, I want to introduce our good friend, Dr. Maurice Elias, who is the uh, professor of psychology at the great Rutgers University. Not because it's my alma mater, it's because it's a great school, Rutgers University, and also the director of the Rutgers Social, Emotional, and Character Development Lab. Good to see you, Maurice. Good to be here, Steve. Maurice, I set this up by saying leadership in a lot of ways involves emotional intelligence, a term you're very familiar with. You've written about it along with Dr. Daniel Goleman and the personal side of it, managing our emotions, keeping in check. Am I overestimating the importance of the emotional side of leadership? I think in the crisis that we're facing now, you're underestimating the emotional side of leadership. People are close together. Relationships are strained. We are trying to reach out to people over electronic media. And the emotions that are involved in this are very, very powerful. So no, I don't think it's overstating it at all. So, so go, stay along, stay with me on this because stress. I mean, it's such a, I'm not gonna say an overused word because there is tremendous stress right now. And by the way, if you wanna find out some of the articles that we've written on this topic of leading in this pandemic, Mary, tell folks to go to our website and I'll come back to Dr. Elias. Yeah, you can go to our website at stand-deliver.com. You recently wrote a really great article on just communicating and leading in a crisis, particularly uh, in COVID-19. And you can also follow us on Facebook and that's at Steve Adubato, PhD, as well as on Twitter at Steve Adubato and that's A-D-U-B-A-T-O. Just wanna be clear folks, everything is free. Everything on that website, all the articles, you can download them. Maurice, let me come back to this. Um, stress. Are there some keys to, quote, managing our stress during this pandemic? 
we have to recognize our own feelings. And you know, that is not such an easy thing to do. Um, that's one of the reasons why in, in my work, we find it so important for schools to attend to this issue. Because when we're in a crisis, that is a hard time to learn how to manage your emotions. It's easier to learn these things when you're not in the middle of a crisis. But how can we make good decisions if we're not able to understand the stresses that we're under, understand the stresses that other people are under, our coworkers, our families? We have to manage all these things in a leadership context. And that, of course, involves stress. Now, one of the things I think that is so critical is that we have to be able to differentiate how we're feeling from how other people are feeling. And we have to be able to do that in a way that allows us to then process that to make decisions. I think that's the big leadership challenge is that it's not just logic, it's logic plus emotions that helps to govern the decisions we make. So Mary, I want to jump in here because you know Dr. Elias is talking about leadership in the workplace, leadership in your family. And one of the things I've said, and we'll talk about this um, throughout these programs, uh, is this. It is hard to differentiate sometimes between our home life. I'm in our home, my home, Maurice is in his home, Mary's in her home, our production crew, everyone's in their home. So there's family life, there's home. Mary, jump in and talk to Dr. Elias and ask him what we've been talking about as it relates to our kids and managing the work and the family issues at the same time. Yeah, I know for us, Steve, we have talked a lot because we have high school age children right now who are dealing with my son in particular, not having a graduation, not having a prom. A senior so, in high school going to college in the fall. Mm -hmm, yeah. Definitely. So it really makes it challenging to communicate to them, okay, this, even though it seems really bad right now, it's not the end of the world. Um, but for them, of course, they've been going to school for so long that they look forward to having that celebration at the end. So we've been working a lot and just talking about managing expectations making the best of a really bad situation. But I would love to get your feedback because a lot of the communication coming from the administrators at the school are saying, we really don't know what's going to be happening with the prom. Uh, they know it's postponed. They don't know what's gonna be happening with graduation. We know it's postponed. So what should educators and people tell parents and children when they really don't know, but also help to ease some of that stress and uncertainty that, the, that we all have? And we've got to treat our kids as partners in this. Um, and I think we have to help them understand that whatever age they are, what is going on here? They need to understand, you know, what, what is an infectious disease? How does that work? Why are we engaging in these cautious practices? You know, people think that people are being overly, uh, overly alarmist about this, but it's important that at every age that our kids understand and, and because it's not like we're trying to make them feel better because we've deprived them of something. Mm -hmm. These are life-threatening issues. And if our kids don't really understand it, then we're kind of trying to put like an emotional Band-Aid on them. But, but that in a way is disrespecting them. Their disappointment is deep and tremendous and we can't push that away. Right. And what, what about on the flip side, though, Maurice, when it comes to the parents who have young, uh, say, first, second, third grade, they're balancing work, they're balancing literally teaching their kids how to read. How, what recommendations and advice do you have for those parents? Because those are a totally different set of stresses that they have of trying to give their attention to work, give their attention to their children, 
what advice do you have for them? Most important thing to do is to set up routines and to be very transparent about the fact that everything is a work in progress. Mm-hmm. We're going to try this, we're going to try that. But, but I think it is, is critically important for kids to have routines, to know how the day is going to go, to know, for example, when mom or dad is going to be in the workplace, i.e. in a room behind that door, That's that right. you're not going to be able to enter for X amount of time mm-hmm. and why that is. And helping kids then to, to have things to do during that time, et cetera. Now, it's not going to be perfect. Right. You're not going to be able to keep uh, you know, a, a toddler from, from coming into your, uh, your <laughs> office space or knocking on the door or something. But we all understand that. And so we have to be compassionate and understanding toward our kids, but also give them structure. Structure is and predictability, even in a time of uncertainty, is the best way to manage stress in, an, in a long-term situation. Uh, Dr. Elias, in, in the limited time we have, I want to ask you this. The, Mary and I talk a lot about emotional intelligence. First of all, where does the term come from? And B, how do you define it in a very practical, as opposed to a scholarly or academic perspective, which a lot of us would struggle with accessing? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because you, you, you talk a lot about leadership. We talk about, about leadership. So emotional intelligence are the skills of everyday ship. They are the skills you need to manage every day. And what is that? To know how the people around you are feeling. To know when you've got very strong feelings, how to get a handle on them. To, to have a sense of empathy. To be able to be compassionate. To be able to work well in groups, but also by yourself. To know when to lead, when to go back. And to be a good problem solver, because isn't that the skill that we all need right now? We need to know how to solve these problems, which keep changing in front of us day by day. And and these are skills that kids need to be taught, just like we need to teach reading, even though every kid has an innate ability to read. We still have to teach reading. We still have to help kids learn the skills of emotional intelligence. Now, the challenges of life, who would have predicted this one? Who knows what the next one is going to be, but our ability to relate to each other, our ability to solve problems, our ability to deal with strong emotions, that is never going to change in its importance. And schools will benefit from equipping kids with these competencies. Dr. Maurice Elias, a mentor of mine, a mentor to many at Rutgers University, doing important work, professor of psychology, also director of the Rutgers Social, Emotional, and Character Development Lab. Our good friend, Maurice Elias, thank you for joining us and all the best to you and your family. Great pleasure and same to you. We'll be right back right after this. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. When I started working with children with autism over 25 years ago, my mission began. Autism is a multifaceted spectrum condition, which challenges our system of standard norms. What autism has taught me is that there is no cookie-cutter child. Our differences ought to be celebrated, not separated. So today, take a moment to say hi or smile at someone who might be a bit different. Acceptance starts with you. 
Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubati here with my colleague, Mary Gamma. Producing, shooting, taping, recording remotely, and uh, most importantly, as you watch this program, as you watch it, we're on whatever platform you're seeing it on. We hope that you and your family are safe, doing well, protecting yourselves, but also dealing with the reality that this is a struggle for everyone. Mary, Dr. Maurice Elias from Rutgers, one of the nation's top experts in the area, particularly child psychology, but also this question of emotional intelligence and leadership. What was your biggest takeaway from Dr. Elias? One of the biggest takeaways I think a lot of people don't consider when we talk about emotional intelligence, that's exactly what we all need right now as we're dealing with this pandemic. Whether it's dealing with our children, our families, extended families, uh, making the conscious decision to stay home, stay safe, it really goes down to emotional intelligence. It's, it's thinking, it's being empathetic, it's being smart, and it's thinking about not only yourself because you're getting anxious and you want to get outside, the weather is getting nicer, but you need to really think about others and empathize and just have an overall sense of a more global view. You know, from a, it's interesting from a work perspective. Um, again, you can go on our website on stand, at stand-deliver.com. There's particularly an article I want to, there are two items I want to point out. One is an article that I wrote uh, on the subject of simply leading in the pandemic. And the other one is, best practices when leading and communicating remotely. Mary, I want to talk about this remote issue. Mm -hmm. One of the themes that keeps coming out is the importance of while we are social distancing, it's important for us to be connected. And so let's talk a little bit about how we're attempting to quote, connect with each other in our organization. And the reason I'm raising this is all of you watching right now, all of you thinking about these issues right now, you need to connect as well. You can be six feet apart, have a mask on, do all the things you need to do when you're out and about. But at the same time, wash your hands, wash your hands. But at the same time, we need to connect. Is that a contradiction, Mary? We need to socially distance ourselves, but we need to connect remotely. Talk about it. It is. It definitely sounds like a contradiction, but there are so many ways, and we found out over the last few months, of how to be creative, whether it's using Zoom, which is what we're using right now for these interviews, or any other platform like BlueJeans, uh, Google Meet. It's a matter of using those tools that are available and accessible to us to connect with our loved ones, to connect with the workforce. For example, we do weekly meetings now with our team. We have a small team of about eight of us, and we make sure to have that weekly meeting every Monday. So this way, number one, again, uh, Dr. Elias was talking about the importance of having a structure, having discipline, right. and having a pattern of what we're doing. And really what he is referring to is that, okay, there's some things in our lives that are in our control, even though obviously COVID-19 is really outside of our control right now. So connecting, engaging, and really letting your team know, hey, we've got you, we've got your back. And even though we're working remotely, that doesn't mean that we cannot be connected. You know, there's another issue here. And, and by the way, while we put articles that I've written, when I say I wrote them, that means Mary actually helped drive the entire process. So she's as much of an author as I am. But we also find other articles, other books, but there are not any books right now on this. There's a couple of articles that stand out. One comes out from the consulting firm Accenture, and it talks about what your people need right now in your organization during COVID-19. And one of the things that keeps coming up is people on your team need to know that you genuinely care. And you and I've talked about this a lot. I don't know if you can teach caring, either you care or you don't, either you have empathy or you don't. Now, if you have it, 
and you're not communicating it clearly and consistently, yes, a firm like ours can help you do that, understand how to be a better communicator. But when it comes to showing your people you care, is that primarily around keeping them safe, which is a physical medical thing, but there are also emotional and psychological pieces as well. Talk about that. I think it's about 60-40. I think, of course, we need to keep our employees safe, but I think 60, 70, 80% is letting them know that you genuinely care about them, their unique challenges. Even our team, for instance, we have folks as young as 22, 23, and then we have you and I, we won't say how old we are. And we're we all not have, the same age, Mary. Yeah, we're not the same age at all. And that learning the technology has definitely made me realize that I'm not young anymore, although in my mind, I'm still 18. Um, no, but, you and I are not, Never mind. go oh. ahead. But yeah, we have younger people who are familiar with the technology, but this is their first job. Sure. And then they're facing COVID-19. They're mm -hmm. scared, they don't know. So, so go back to that question. Yes, yeah. we're gonna keep them safe because right now we're not physically in our office right now. And, and we're not, the, again, when I only talk about us, when I talk about us, I'm really talking about everyone out there. We're a microcosm of every organization. So we're working, but we're not in the office. So we're trying to keep people safe. And when they do go back to the office, yes, we have to deal with the configuration of the office. Not everyone's gonna be there at the same time. We're gonna separate in terms of distance, et cetera. But the emotional and psychological piece how do we connect with it? It's, it's one thing to say, I care. It's another thing to consistently communicate and show you care. How do you do that? There's a variety of ways. You can reach out, send a text message. If you know that a team member or a family member of a team member is having an issue or is not feeling well, simply reach out, send a text after hours and just say, hey, just wanted to let you know that I'm thinking of you. And oftentimes I'll put a note, hey, if there's anything that you need, let me know. And sometimes people do. Sometimes people say, hey, you know, um, someone on my, um, one of my friends actually, um, her husband was in the hospital um, with COVID and thank God he recovered. And I checked in with her every couple of days and finally she said, you want to know what? We're getting low on milk. It, it was a simple thing to, you know, I didn't go. I sent my husband <laughs> to uh, just go to, down to the 7-Eleven, pick up some milk. And it seems like such a small thing, but just touching base, letting somebody know and, you know, just being there for them to listen. And sometimes you can't help all the time, but most of the time you can help just a little bit. And you know, go back to the issue that we talked to Dr. Elias about, stress. Mm -hmm. There's no way to separate what's happening and what we're dealing with right now with COVID-19, work, family life, fears, anxiety, no way to separate that from stress. So. I, there have been times, and again, when I talk about Mary in this situation, I know there are a lot of other people facing this. Mary, I said, Mary, is there anything I can do to help you manage some of the stress? Because Mary runs our operation, both our for-profit company, Stand and Deliver, stand-deliver.com, go on our website, but also our not-for-profit production company that partners with public broadcasting. Mary's the chief operating officer there as well. So we have these meetings after meetings. So I said, Mary, what can I do? She said, yes, don't include me in so many meetings. I don't have to be involved in every meeting. You said, plus you're getting sore sitting in that chair. Yeah. And you want to get <laughs> well, up and get out. Talk that's about one it. of the things. Um, that's in the to, office. This is about stress too. It is. It is. And I think that goes for everyone uh, watching and listening here. You really need to be um, outspoken. And obviously, you know, I always say I don't like a whiner. Don't complain, but go to whether it's your manager or someone that you report to and offer a solution. Uh, for me, as Steve mentioned, there were I was being pulled into every single meeting at the beginning of this uh, pandemic, 
And it was really strategic and important for me to be in every single one of those meetings as we were really just redefining what the organization was going to look like longer term. But now that things are starting to get into what we're calling a new normal, it's a matter of, okay, Steve, I still have other work that I need to be doing that's piling up. But in order to do that job better, I do need to move around a little bit. In the office, I had a standing desk, so I was able to stand most of the day. And as most of us, I mean, I'm working at my dining room table, which has hardwood seats. So I definitely need to. (laughs) Too much detail, I know. No, but you want to get up and get out. Yeah, yeah. One of one of the funniest things that I read, it was on Twitter and it said, you know, prior to COVID-19, did everybody have a bookshelf behind them at, at their desk? And obviously not, because right now I'm sitting on a piano bench in, a, in a, just a music room in my home. So um, it really is just finding a new way of doing things that is productive, efficient, and effective. But more importantly, and Steve, you know, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. We often talk about the inability to tune out at the end of the day. It could be five, six, seven o'clock and your home is now your office. So what advice do you have for people? Because it is a lot, it's really closely tied to managing stress to literally tune off, turn off the computer, turn off the phone, go connect with your family. Um, What advice do you have for people on that? Well, first of all, uh, my track record in this regard, and I've said this to Mary and I said to our team members, I've said it to my family as well. I'm I'm challenged in struggling with this as well, meaning my track record is not that great, meaning I will, be, as the CEO of a for-profit and not-for-profit company, the first thing I did, I believe, I don't know why Friday the 13th in March, March 13th, I don't know why that date's sticking in my head as, as a date that really triggered how serious things were. That was the day that we decided to start working from home. And obviously with it being Friday the 13th, it makes it a little bit easier to remember. But that was the date for us that we made that conscious decision that everybody stay home. So to that end, I believe since the 13th of March, that Friday, I felt this true. And listen, I'm not saying what was me, because when I do that, Mary, tell everyone the sound you make when I start. Wow. I know. I, know. I get that. Yeah, yeah I, I, don't, trying, I don't have any patience for that, Steve. You know that. After 20 years working together, I think I know that. <laughs> so I, I have to hold, check myself when I start feeling that way. But I'm going to say what was happening for me and what I've continued to deal with, which is why the balance isn't that great. There's a wonderful book here that I've talked about before. I got all these books here. One is called Off Balance by Matthew Kelly. This was before, obviously, COVID-19, the work-life balance issue. And, I, and, I, and I've read, read it over and over and over again. And one of the reasons I'm out of balance, if you will, is because I immediately started asking myself, what do I need to do as a leader to keep this organization alive? How do we cut the budget? How do we, we had over a million dollars in accounts receivable in our company where people had committed to sponsoring our programming on the public broadcasting side, but we didn't have the money. Okay, what do we do? We don't wanna press, some of them are hospitals, hospital systems. We don't wanna press them, but we need the money to keep ourselves going. We have to make some very tough decisions about letting certain people go to save money. These are good people. The emotional side of that, the psychological side of that. Um, what Am I being the best leader I can be? That pr- the point I'm making is the pressure and the stress on me caused me to become more insular. And 24-7, that's all I thought about. How do we survive? And I realized one of the things I was doing was not thinking enough about what my family needed other than me saying, here are the rules, you're not gonna go out. And, and if you do, you gotta have the gloves and wash the hands, the mask. 
okay, well, being the rule maker and the, and the authoritarian figure in the family, that's not leadership. And that's not also being balanced. So my answer to you, Mary, is I'm not that good at this. Right, right. If I could well, fall into the trap of they need me 24-7 to be the great leader I, I'm supposed to be. Meanwhile, you're not taking care of the people closest to you and your family. Go ahead. Yeah, well, luckily, Dr. Maurice Elias, who we had on earlier in this program, he did give us some of those tips and tools as far as talking, being honest, realizing that your children are human beings, and not talking down to them, not talking at them, and letting them be part of the process. Uh, ironically, through this, I have um, two boys, both of whom experience birthdays um, in quarantine. 15 and 18? Uh, yeah, 15 and, uh, I have to think for a second, 15 and 18 and they just turned and literally, you know, it, it was challenging because I said, you know, how was your birthday at the end of the day? And they said, well, you know, it was as good as it could have been. And you do, you, you, you feel bad, you feel for them, you feel for, like I said, my oldest is a senior in high school and he literally is not gonna have a graduation, a traditional graduation as hundreds of thousands of kids across the country. Um, he didn't even see, um, he just made the decision he's gonna be going to Michigan State University and he's never seen it in person. And we had to sit down and say, all right, you know, sure, we did the virtual tour online. We know it's the good choice financially, academically. And are you going to take that leap of faith? So there's a lot of growing up that the, this generation is going to have to do. But I truly believe at the end of this, in 5, 10, 15 years down the line, I can't wait to see the research because I truly believe that these children are going to be the most resilient uh, problem solvers um, our, our world has ever seen because, because they're because they're dealing with COVID-19. Yeah, because, you know, for us, we're adults. We've seen a lot. Sure. We've never seen this, but we can always compare. Oh, OK. I can compare this to something else that happened in my life, yeah. whether it's, you know, 9-11. Yeah. As you, horrible we, as those things were, this is different. Exactly. We've all, you know, experienced the death of close family members. And so when you think you've hit rock bottom, you're like, OK, I'm going to pick myself and get back up again. Fortunately, for many of the children out there, they've never really faced any adversity. You know, they, they have their laundry done for them. They have their, you know, mom and dad there to tell them to do their homework. And so this is the first real challenge, I believe, that many, you know, and again, the older children, you know, 14 to 18, who really understand the severity of this, I think they're going to be more resilient and better problem solvers as a result. Real quick, Mary, before we wrap up, we've got about two minutes left, right, Elvin? I'll see it up there. Um, thank the folks who help make lessons in leadership possible, all of whom have great leaders and they also made the great decision to support lessons in leadership. Go ahead, Mary. Yep, so uh, we have really great sponsors. We've got New Jersey Resources. We have Prager Metis, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, uh, Gibbons PC, law firm. And we also have, I'm forgetting one, uh, Valley Bank. How Valley Bank. No, Valley? don't do not forget Valley Bank. Do not forget Valley Bank. So those are our sponsors. And also, too, if you want to follow Steve and just really hear more about what's going on and what we're up to, and you can do that on Twitter, and that is at Steve Adubato. And you can also follow us on Facebook. That's Steve Adubato PhD, and that's A D U B A T O. Thank you. By the way, a minute left. So here's what I want to make sure everybody understands. I said it before. I'll say it again. Our most important concern. Our greatest concern is for you, for your family, that you're protecting yourselves, that you're keeping your, not just your physical health and your clinical medical health, but also your mental health, your emotional health. These are important issues. And so I want to thank Dr. Maurice Elias from Rutgers University, who again, is a mentor of mine. Um, when I received my doctorate from Rutgers and Maurice was part of that, um, 
I felt that what was so important about that is that the Rutgers community always comes together and is supportive of each other. And so even though that was a long time ago, he continues to be a mentor of mine, even though I'm not a student there any longer. So I want to thank him for joining us and putting things in perspective in future editions of Lessons in Leadership living in the age of COVID-19. We're going to deal with more effective remote communication and leadership, how to have Zoom meetings, how to look in the camera more effectively so you're not looking all over. So Mary, I want to thank you. Stay safe, stay well. I would never be able to do this without you and our team, Frank and Elvin. Elvin and Frank behind the scenes, our son, Nick. I want to thank everyone for making Lessons in Leadership possible. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Steve. Check you out next time on Lessons in Leadership. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. When I started working with children with autism over 25 years ago, my mission began. Autism is a multifaceted spectrum condition, which challenges our system of standard norms. What autism has taught me is that there is no cookie cutter child. Our differences ought to be celebrated, not separated. So today, take a moment to say hi or smile at someone who might be a bit different. Acceptance starts with you. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com.